everybody and welcome to the LMT Fitness Podcast. I've got another exciting episode this week and I'm joined by my old friend and old colleague Brian Hamilton and Brian recently ran an ultra and I really wanted to get him on to the podcast to discuss it and talk all about it and let us know just about his own experience with it. Um, So hello Brian, this is weird seeing you in this setting. (laughs) <laughs> Brian and I used to work together, um, so we're old colleagues, so it's it's a bit strange me interviewing him for a podcast, but an exciting topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, how's about if you just initially tell us, sort of, for people that don't know, like what ultra running is, you know, how you sort of get into it, just a sort of opening into what it is and how you get into it. Yeah, so the, the ultramarathon setup is uh, anything over 26.2 miles. It usually starts at the 30 mile mark uh, and they got to, the furthest I know is a 215 mile uh, run here in Scotland. I get into it because of a friend who had done several, but unfortunately due to injuries, uh, couldn't do the Ultra Scotland, which started in St. Johnstown, Dorai and finished in Moffat and asked me to take his place uh, last year. So I did that with the intention of doing it in October last year, but I just felt the time scale was too short. So I, I got my place deferred for this year and uh, fortunately I was able to do the training and then take part uh, in June the 11th this year and, and complete it. Well so that's how I- <laughs> Yeah, well done. So, so you did you start off then doing like half marathons and then marathons and then sort of yeah, like toying with the idea of ultras? Uh, my background in terms of the kind of fitness has, has always been pretty much football related. We a few runs here and there. I've done a few ten k's and uh, full marathons, but never really serious about it. Uh, but when that idea came up about the ultra and I'd seen folk when I was walking the, the Scottish Monroe's running it and I always kind of took a wee fancy to, mm. to give it a go. Opportunity fortunately came up. So I'm now, uh, I'm now looking to do more. I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> no, that's, that's really good. And I think like that, I know what you mean because I've done like quite a few Monroe's, not as many as you, but see when you do see people, it's almost like you think, that's amazing like how they can like how they're able to do that as well so well done you for, for taking on the challenge because it is it's such an achievement to be able to <laughs> so when you then so obviously you said you were going to do it last year and that kind of didn't happen and then this year what was the the route that you did this year the route of the race yeah the race so my my, my race started in the St John's sorry St John's town in Dorai which is in uh, South Ayrshire uh-huh. And it, tra- it travelled along the southern Upland Way, uh-huh. and the first point for me was in Moffat, uh, and that that it, it's called the Ultra Scotland Fifty. They they told us it was actually fifty five miles. They just called it the fifty, so that was the route we took. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you pass through Townwide, you go through uh, Sanka, uh, Wanlock Head, which is the highest village in Scotland, and mm-hmm. then all that that route across towards basically Dumfries. Yep. And you come to the town of uh, Moffat. Uh, Moffat Rugby Club is where the, the, the finish line was, thankfully. <laughs> uh, it was black at night when I finished. It was uh, beautiful sunshine when I started and mm-hmm. uh, when I finished, so that, that was good. And how long How long did it take you? 
So my official time is 16 hours, 49 minutes and 47 seconds. Amazing. Well done. Mm. Well done, you. And what's so like, in terms of now you're sort of toying with the idea of doing more in the future as well, what sort of things would you look for, do you think, with, um, like, routes? Like, is it different trails and all this sort of stuff? Is there anything that you think, oh, I would really like to do that or I would really avoid doing that depending on what the trails are and things like that how would you plan your routes or the the races that you do yeah so just, i can only base it on that that, that one event uh, if i was doing a trail run an out and out trail run where it was going to be grass and dirt and that sort of type of track i would have used uh, more hill routes kind of like the monroes that you're saying mm-hmm. or like the way i would do more of those kind of routes and not as much uh, road running because of where I live, I use the road more than anything in canal paths. Uh, but looking back, I would definitely go away on a Saturday, say, or a Sunday, and spend more time out running and walking on those actual routes. Uh, I, I think that would have been more beneficial looking yeah. kind of back. Yeah. I suppose, though, like anything, it's, it's learning for the future. It's Because these are all things, like doing your first one as well, I suppose you wouldn't know exactly what to expect. So it's all stuff, yeah, like you say now for the future you know kind of yeah in terms of, of training and even doing it and getting to meet other uh, folk in the event who have done several uh, overall different kind of distances you kind of picked up wee, tip, uh, wee tips along the way mm-hmm. just to things for like eating or if you get I mean during the race I had I wouldn't say a sore stomach but it, it wasn't right and I get a for example, a wee ginger sweet. Uh, a guy came to me and says, take this, you'll be fine. And five minutes later, I generally, I was fine. Whatever was wrong. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's maybe more the mental aspect of doing it, but, you know, there was loads of wee hints and tips from folk. And uh, and then the guy that I knew that had done it, just, you know, wee things like, don't don't burn yourself out running those hills. You know, walk the uphills, run the downhills, and run and walk the flats as much as you can. Or sorry, run the flats as much as you can. Yeah. So it was a wee bit along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I about the hard way when I wouldn't listen. Well, that's it. But sometimes that's a good, that's the best way to learn because at least you know you'll definitely not do it again then after that. So do you think, is it, did you find then like, so like ultra running or like ultra marathons or whatever, they are all, it's like quite a community sort of feel to it. Is it similar sort of people that, that do them like again and again? Well, in that one, uh, there was certainly several folk who all knew each other. You seen them all talking at the start, and they were talking about future races. Uh, and during the route, I got talking to two of the ambassadors, and they were kind of—I wouldn't say selling it, but you know, you know, what's your next move? And I kind of said it to you, "I'm done with this." But when I finished, <laughs> and I got this, it's like, right, okay, I'm looking at the next one now. It was uh-huh. kind of weird. Yeah, I think doing the marathons or ten k's or halves, when you, I, feel, I always try and chase the next person. It yeah. wasn't like that because when I got to, like, I met someone there, you got talking to them. Like, I got talking to a guy from America that came over from uh, Denver mm-hmm. and we're talking about American football. We're talking about, you know, I'd been to America and stayed and different bits and bobs. And I was with him a couple of times through the race for maybe 30, 45 minutes. So you mm-hmm. got to know them. So you met the ambassadors later on. And it, it was different to just in terms of, for me running marathons, just trying to get in front of the next person and get the next person and get the next. You're actually, meeting folk and talking to them finding out like as I say the wee hints and tips about the ginger sweet for example because you're getting that time uh, whereas a marathon it, for me it was all go it was like need to catch you need to catch you yeah that's what I found right. no I suppose and that's quite nice as well like getting to sort 
sort of meet, I suppose you meet all different people as well, because like that, if people have been doing these for a while or, you know, it's a sort of passion that they've got to keep doing them, then I bet you they've got amazing stories as well, but of ones they've done along the way and all that sort of stuff. So that's quite yeah. cool. Uh, the, the American guy was, was, was really good because he, he he was talking about how, you know, grass and moss, that just doesn't exist in the training he does. Uh-huh. He was doing a technical where it was a uh, rocks and kind of the hillside of it, the actual hill climbing. Yeah. And one we saw that I thought was quite good when we got up uh, one of the hills, he was looking for his jacket, etc. And I'm looking for the sunscreen. I thought it was a great day. <laughs> But I suppose then these stories will keep you going. Like when you're probably at the point you're like, I can't go on any longer, and you'll just if you get somebody to talk to have a good chat, like it keeps you going. I don't know if he was still the same though. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. Um so in terms of like the training then, because obviously that's like a sort of mammoth task, like you kind of just roll up on the day and be like, Oh, I'm gonna like do one of these. So what sort of things did you do to prepare and to train and get yourself ready for it? Yeah, so once I moved my place uh, from last year, I, I'd spoke to a couple of folk and they said, get kind of like a, a base where you're building into your training plan, don't just start on the training plan. So I'd started on about sort of October, November uh, training. Sorry, August actually, August, September, kind of just starting to get into it. And then I get a wee, a wee setback from playing football, uh, a slight pull on my hamstring. So that took about... An, an, just being older, it took like six, seven weeks to clear. Mm-hmm. And then once I did, I just started to get my jogging back in again until Christmas. And then Christmas was run about 24 weeks and that's when the plan started and it was just trying to follow it as best I can. Uh, and then also doing, as it got towards the summer, the Monroe's as well, which I felt were a big help because of the, the ascent for the climbs. Yeah. And that was, so yeah, I did try to be as disciplined as I could. Obviously life gets in the way, a party or work or whatever it might be. But I did try to then, you know, really not miss any of the big runs uh, and always go back to, even if it meant during the week sacrificing a shorter route, I did try to go back and get the 20 or the 22 and 23, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So I, so I kind of looked at it and a couple of folks said, you know, try not to miss it. So I had that in my head, don't miss these big runs. Yeah. So as much as uh, I, I got them all in. Yeah. So that's so in terms of like the longest training runs you were doing, what, what would that have been? Would that have been like... 23 or whatever the, the longest I've done was over the marathon I've done 20, over 26 in one of them uh, I've done some 23s 22 20s 18s but in between that there was loads of 10 halves 15s uh, for me the, the further up it went the wee bit longer it took to recover so see that the 22s it was maybe a couple of days before the legs felt right we're ready to go again yeah the, some of the advice was do the twenties in the next day. So I done a, just see I done a twenty on a Saturday. Some of the routes were saying do ten on the Sunday. There was at points I felt I didn't have ten miles in me, so I just either cut it shorter or moved it a day, which seemed to work for me. Yeah, I suppose that's it because it's just getting into the stride of what you know what works for you and still. I suppose especially with this type of running. The longer the longer runs are going to be the most important because it's you know making sure that you can go for that long and making sure that your you know your endurance is up there so that you can you can go the distance basically. So I would say they are probably one of the most important things for it. Yep. Um, no, I would like to, I would keep that for the next time. I definitely won't I won't cut back in the long runs. Even if I need to drop, say a five miler, I wouldn't yeah. drop I would cut that before I dropped, just say for example, twenty five. I wouldn't I wouldn't do it the other way about. 
Yeah. And what, so, I mean, even so, even being able to run a marathon as like just a training day is is wild, so amazing, well done. And like, it takes some amount of effort and motivation and um, just drive to keep doing it. So how did you, I mean, there must've been days where you were thought, right, I've got this big training run I need to do and I'm just not really there for it. So how did you still sort of push yourself to, to do it on the days where you felt like that? Do you know what, strangely, see, for this race, I didn't have that many days where I didn't want to go out. Mm-hmm. For me, what's kind of happened is the reverse, see, because I've not got a race planned. I'm struggling a wee bit to go out, although I'm doing a wee bit. I'm finding it harder without uh, having anything kind of set that this is my goal. Uh, but I just I just looked at it and I knew because it doesn't, I need to train. And if I don't train, I'm going to get caught out. And if I get caught out, I'm going to be left in a field in Scotland. And I don't know how... <laughs> You'll be left for long periods in your own. So yeah. that kind of scares me. So with that point, okay, sometimes my uh, Louise, my good lady, would come out with me, or you know, I would just I would just maybe watch, I sent a video of, of one guy kind of saying, you know, don't be lazy, make sure you get out on YouTube and I watched a wee thing like that there. But in the main, I was I was always I need to train, I need to train. I had that kind of six month, 24 weeks, I'm going to give this everything. And fortunately for me, it, it was okay. There was very few days where I was, you know, that way I'm, I'm just not doing it. Yeah. No, which is good. And I suppose it's like, yeah, like even, I suppose it's like anything when you have a goal in mind, so something to work towards, it is sometimes easier or a lot of people do find it easier to then push towards that goal rather yeah. than just sort of, you know, stabbing in the dark for things, which I suppose if you don't have anything planned, like you're saying, that can be how it feels, how it feels the now. Absolutely. Yep, definitely. So then in terms of like men, because obviously it's such a huge physical challenge, but in terms of like, so that's your training done for the physical side of it. What did you do to sort of mentally prepare for it? Or like when you were, even even when you were at, during the run, there must have been times when your brain was just like, I'm done, I've had enough now. Like, what did you, how did you kind of deal with that? Uh, I think the past experience, I knew, I always knew I could get 26 out myself for the marathon distance. I always knew I could do that. That was in my head. Mm-hmm. And then la- last year before I signed up, I had walked 44 miles, I think it was, in the West Island Way in about, I think it, it was maybe like 17 hours. So I kind of thought, I've got, mentally, I know I can, do, I know I can push this. Uh, but, you know, just, I don't know, just... <laughs> For me, it's just if I'd done five miles one day and the next one was seven, to me it was only two miles. That's the way I looked at it. Yeah. But that goes back to an old story I was told years ago with a guy that done a hundred push-ups and he'd done one each day. So mm-hmm. day one he done one, day two he done two, but in his mind was I'm only adding on one. So for me it was only a mile or two extra. Yeah. So if I got to eight and the next day was ten, just say, or the next week, I always knew I've done eight, I'm going to get through these next two. Whether it you know it's really sore, I'm going to struggle, I know I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. And did you have see when you were see when you were actually doing the, the run as well? Did you have anything? Did you listen to anything, or were you just sort of taking in what was going around you and using that for sort of to spur you on? Yeah, no, I had my I had my 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 headset for listening, and I, there was a there was a football game on that night. Scotland were playing the I think Ireland, so I thought I'll get if I get to five o'clock, I know the games are about that time. I'll listen to it. Mm-hmm. I forgot about it, and then I said it's half time. <laughs> Oh, I went, okay, I'll listen to the second half because I've got a checkpoint. And when uh-huh. I came back out, again, the game was finished, so I was too late uh, anyway. But oh. no, I just, 
just meeting folk and then I was aware of different things in the route that I wanted to see. Uh-huh. Uh, don't have the names, but there was different parts of the route that I knew was coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the, the company that ran it, GB Ultras, they had folk on the route that were meeting you and encouraging you. So mm-hmm. I always felt it wasn't too long before you met somebody, you get told a story, you get a well done or a wee clap, and that kind of just kicked on. And then uh, as it got later, I got a few text messages coming through, so my watch was bleeping, so I knew folk were kind of thinking about me because for the first uh-huh. seven or eight they text me. So, oh. like, <laughs> I was like, all right, people do care. <laughs> Maybe they were just saving it though for when they thought you would need it. Well, I, I, do you know, I text my dad, I said, I've got 50, I've got the last checkpoint, I said, I've got 50 mile left. They wrote, I know I've been following you because you could follow the markers uh, online. Oh, with right. your bit of equipment that, that, that pinged off the sky and you could tell you where you, the tracker, but it could tell you where you were. So uh-huh. he's like, Everybody knew, just nobody was born to text me. So, oh. <laughs> I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were cheering you on quietly at the start and then just giving you the encouragement when you needed it later. I think they, I think they went, oh, we've no heard from all day, we better check in. <laughs> <laughs> so see then, so like for the actual route, for the actual route then and the actual race, is there, like how is it kind of structured? Is there like, I know you mentioned their checkpoints. So do you... Do you stop at every checkpoint or do you just stop when you need to or do you, did you find yourself walking parts of it? How does it sort of work on the day? So on the race day, you start at uh, St Johnstown, Hall and Dolry. Uh, so you get your, your tracker there and, and they start the race off. Uh, it's a mass start where you're doing the 50 or the 100. You all start at the one time. Uh, during the route, you can stop whenever you want or do what you want. Whatever way you want to complete it, it's up to you. But... There's four checkpoints at different parts. I think it was uh, eight, is it eight, eight miles, 18. I think it was 34. And another one kind of thing. So it was four points and you had cut-off time to make. Hmm. You must make your cut-off points and then you've got your end goal time, which is you must make it inside 18 hours. So if you get to checkpoint one too late, even though you think you can make it to the end, you're, you're out of the race, unfortunately. Mm. You just you check in by you've got your number at the front of your top or your shorts, whatever it is. You they check you in and then you get your if you want to stop for the food, it's up to you. If you think you've got enough on you or you're all right, you just keep going. But I always stopped in for like uh you know, the, the things like Haribo or bananas or pasta or pot noodles, whatever it might be, or, or marmite, stuff like that there, like the salt, crisps, pretzels, that was all there for each checkpoint. Mm-hmm. And your your navigation for it was that you've got the route on your phone but you've also got your Southern Upland map so that the phone goes down because on the course, although you're following, it's, it's marked by a white thistle, I think it was, and a yellow a yellow painting at the top of the wooden sticks. If if you couldn't see that or on some points the weather was bad for us, if you missed that, you'd have to refer back to your map or your phone. So that was how you kind of worked it to go to the checkpoints. But I was quite fortunate. There was always somebody either near me or just in front that I had an eye on that I knew I was going the right way. And if my phone, fortunately, was the battery held up and I got to him off it all right, thankfully. Thankfully, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not still out there looking for the finish line. <laughs> yeah, but the kids were genuinely incredible because if it wasn't your day, you could have just stopped to it and ate all the food, Haribo's <laughs> and whatever else. It's not a party. A party. It was incredibly real, uh, well run. That was my first experience at GB Ultras and I mean, whenever you checked in, they would tell you, like, go and get a seat. They would take your bottle off you. They would fill it up. Do you want tea, coffee, juice, whatever it might be? Uh, you know, there was pot noodles, there was pasta, there was all sorts for you there. It was, it was very, very well done. And a lot of the folk that do it are runners uh-huh. or 
ultra, so they, they knew how you were feeling, or they knew, they kinda, I just felt they knew what to say. Yeah. Uh, as an organiser, uh, he came into me a couple of times just checking up. Are you okay? How are you feeling? I am all right. Well, that's good. And away you went. I just try not to stay too long at any particular place. Yeah. I think the most five, ten minutes, and away I went. Uh, especially sitting down. I, didn't, I just felt as though that cramping that would sit in for me. I didn't want to risk it. So I would just take what I had to take and keep going again. Mm-hmm. No, it's, I mean, it certainly sounds it from, from what you've said there. It sounds as if it was well run. Um, and obviously, so you've had the checkpoints where you could sort of refuel and you were provided with stuff. But in terms of like when you were training and the sort of lead up, how did you like approach nutrition with it? Was there anything you done specifically or? Yeah, no, my thing for, for uh, <laughs> your life. <laughs> I know what you're going to say, that's why. <laughs> It's much oh, like a, a Tesco <laughs> meal deal. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have it during the races or during my training days. Uh, I was a big uh, two bagels and peanut butter was my go-to before I started. Mm-hmm. And then uh, going out, I just had my gels mostly. And uh, I developed a love for chocolate orange square bars. Mm. The rice chocolate orange. Uh, I had uh, That's what I went to. Uh-huh. That day, yeah, uh, I had a couple of sports drinks and then my backpack, I had the one and a half litres of water in the back. So yeah. that kind of kept going. And then in the event, you could get that refilled by the staff. They were there to take it off you and uh, refill it as and when you needed, which was quite good. Mm-hmm. And did you, so I know like there are a lot of runners as well, especially long distance ones. Did you try out different gels and things like that? Because I know that upset stomachs and things can be a, a bit of a, a problem that which you don't really want when you're when you're running. Did you try things out first just to make sure that your stomach was okay with it? Yeah, I used the uh, I used if it's alright you say SIS gels. I felt they worked, but funnily enough, on the race day, I think I went a wee bit too much with them, and I started. To, I think I took too many at the one time, and that's where I had the wee issue in my stomach. And the guy gave me the ginger sweet, which settled it. But from that point, I stopped the gels. But when I was doing the training, I would get, I always set me goal. So mile three, I'd take my first gel and that would roughly be 30 minutes in. Miles, just say six, I would make it a chocolate bar, the square bar. Mm-hmm. Mile 12 might be a sports drink, something, try to break it up. But on the day, I just became so kind of fixated on the distance that I thought I need to take more gels and more gels. And that's when my stomach got a wee bit sore, but fortunately that guy helped me out with the ginger sweet and that was me and I just stopped the gels and I just focused on a wee packet of Haribo, which I'd use for time to time, or, you know, a wee bit of sports drink and that was me. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the gels, if you're, if you're going to use them, you definitely need to train with it 100%. Yeah. I mean, it is common, as you're saying, for folk to get a sore stomach or, or pains or cramps, whatever it might be, uh, from the gels. Yeah, but probably like you sort of discovered yourself as well as even just like during something like that, it's more important just to have sort of make sure you're just having something like wee bits each sort of hour or each like sort of goalpost that you've set for yourself that you've worked out in training works exactly for you. Yeah, and also taking that into the race, because that's the mistake I made. I didn't keep with what I'd done training into the race. I changed a wee bit by trying to take on a wee bit another gel or I went, I thought, I've done more hills than what I would normally do training. I better take something else. And I probably caught myself out. Uh, and the one kind of thing I learned was, I was uh, towards, I think it was male, maybe like 30, 35. You know, the styles you get for climbing over fences. Mm-hmm. But that was causing me to cramp. All the things that was happening on the day, that was causing cramp. And I couldn't understand it. So 
as soon as I came down from it, I would give my legs a shake and away I went. I was okay, but it kept happening at these, at these cells. I, I couldn't, didn't understand it, but uh, again, spoke to somebody else and they were saying, take a packet, uh, if you drink a lot of water, I said, I've taken quite a bit, yeah. He said, you probably just took too much uh, salt out of your body. He's like, go and get a packet of crisps. So I got like ready salted crisps and a couple of pretzels and I kept them with me as well and I was fine. Yeah. But just wee things I never really thought about that would that would fix it. I just thought the cramp you need to stretch and that'll be you. But yeah, my stretch working, but that did. Yeah, well, who knew a packet of crisps would fix it all? That's what it's salt and vinegar. I mean, salt, salt and vinegar, very salted crisps, uh-huh. and I had some pre- and I was fine. I just then cut back a wee bit in the water because I, I was taking probably quite a lot at that point. Yeah. But again, I was dated on. I'm going up more hill, so I need to take more. So instead, I maybe. I don't know if panic's the right word to maybe just settle myself down and say, right, you don't actually need a drink at this point. You can get up that, you stick to your plan, you can wait another 20 minutes or another mile like you've done before. Don't kind of rush. I don't know if that works for every person, but I think for me, the next time, the way I train, I will stick as much as I can to it during the race and I won't kind of get, you know, a wee bit nervous going, oh no, that's that's a bigger hill or that's a bigger downhill. I've not... I will try and be more strict with what I do eating and training I will take into the race yeah. and just don't kind of carry away with what's, what's happening about me yeah I think that's pretty good advice for anything like if you so any sort of sport or competition it's like yeah okay in the actual event or whatever it is on that day you're going to have to push yourself you know sort of further than you have before but especially for things like nutrition or even the shoes you're wearing or the equipment that you're using keep it as similar to as training as to what you're used to as possible um because that's you don't want any surprises on the day oh absolutely because even you're doing that kind of race or that event sorry you're seeing folk at the side stop and they're like eating sandwiches or they're, they're doing that and then in my head i'm thinking should i be stopping and doing what they're doing now should is this because mm. you some folk have done so many of these you think they must be right and I'm wrong. Whereas I think, you know, when it happens, you know, as long as I don't get injured or anything goes wrong, the next one I do, I will, I'm com- I'm a bit more comfortable with what I've done, what I've eaten in, a, in my head. I know it's going to work. So I don't need to worry about, you know, what Andy's doing to the side of what they're eating. I just need to worry about myself and what I'm doing. And just a wee bit, of, you know, I suppose more confidence that you've trained right, you've done this all the time, you've ate this way, let's take it out of the event and keep going. Don't kind of worry about what Andy else is doing. Yeah. No, I would say that's that's pretty good advice. Like for and it yes, I mean, like you say, because what works for them might not work for you, or vice versa. So what if you um did you come across any nasty injuries or any niggles or anything like that that you had to rectify before the race or during the race or any time? No, I was very fortunate. Just before, the, 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 as I said to you about football, I had a wee tweak in my hamstring, but I, I stopped the football and that cleared up and I was I was fine. Uh, my whole train, no issues, no blisters. Uh, I wore the same trainers running that I trained with on the event. Uh, the advice I got was 500 miles or six months, whatever comes first for changing it. So I'm quite heavy, my feet quite scuffy. So I, I, I went through two pairs uh, during, during the train and the race I stuck to the same you know kind of everything uh, the only problem I had was after the race believe it or not uh, I was fine that night no, surprisingly no pains in my legs nothing went to bed got up in the morning when I say get up I tried to get up uh, <laughs> get out of bed and I've got all the advice you know make sure you move make sure you do this and that so I had a wee walk uh, 
and then that night my lower back my waist was in in agony yeah. and I had to get put down by uh, my good lady in the foam roller and basically dragged back and forth oh, by no. the shoulder <laughs> to try and get, it, get picked up back off the floor but the next morning I was okay that seemed to work mm-hmm. but apart from that I'm very fortunate no 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 injuries uh, I've been back running again since and uh-huh. I so far haven't. Long may that continue. So what would you say then if, so what would you say for somebody that's thinking about doing it or has got an interest in it, what would your sort of, just to finish off, what your tips or your advice would be? I, I mean, very much a novice at it, still learning, but I would I, I would go for it. I would pick one well in advance. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do one any earlier than kind of six months unless you are extremely fit and got that background. The plan I followed was 24 weeks. Uh, I think I needed all 24 to be ready. Uh, I, I would do that. I would get your, your the shoes that you wear. They're the ones that you're going to wear on the day. Same with your socks. Uh, I, I tend to stay the same equipment, the same T-shirts, same shorts, same socks, same shoes, same eating. Once you get something that works, don't change it. And, you know, as for the race itself, if you, if you go in and do it, don't do what I did where you see somebody else doing something and you think I need to change. If it's worked for you, if you've signed up, you've committed, you've trained, it's all worked. Don't change on the day. Just keep it going, and I'm sure you'll be fine. And you're probably faster than me. <laughs> not, not for the next one. So, what's what was the date of the next one again? Then your next one. I've got my eye on two just now. The one in Wales on the end of July, which I'm looking at, or there's one in starting in Glasgow, Glasgow to Edinburgh, is on October the eighth, and that's the one I'm really looking at. But that's a road run, uh-huh. uh, which I'll probably be more comfortable with considering that's mostly what we've got and where I am. Uh, and I'm looking as far as next year, there's another one, Manchester to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but with the GB one, if you do five of the runs, they call it a Grand Slam, so you get a Grand Slam medal. So like we are talking about earlier, that's a problem with me. I now know that if I do another four, <laughs> I get back and see four more races. Yeah. So I need to just... Uh, yeah, I, I mean... Just a wee bit conscious. It's my first time doing it. I don't want to rush back and do it too much too quick. So I think being realistic and honest, I'll probably look at October, but I might text you and say I'm on my way to Wales. <laughs> well, if you do, right, well, let's, let's um, agree then you can do a podcast per ultra. Per ultra. You come on and tell us how you got on and maybe uh, we can get chatting about them and see how you learn and develop over time. Well, actually, it's a big learning game. As I say, some things I found out the hard way, uh, being stubborn and thinking I'm right. But, you know, there's folk that have done this for years and they certainly know better than I do. No, not at all. Not at all. You'll be like that. You'll have your own um, sponsorship and all that before you know it, Brian. You'll be... Uh, well, interesting. The, the, the mutual friend we share, uh, Kevin, he got me involved in this. But it was sort of during the whole time I was training was the... The virtual races. Uh-huh. So I signed up to a virtual race just now, and I, it's 502 kilometres, and I've still got 50 odds to go. So I need to go out tonight and run another few miles to try and bring it down. So I've only got five days left oh. until I get until I get my medal. Oh. No rest, <laughs> no rest for the wicked day. Well, whenever I ask him how's he getting on, I don't get a reply back. I don't know how he's doing. <laughs> he's probably having a nap. Uh, he's doing the Lord of the Rings one, thank you, running to Mordor. <laughs> oh, right, listen, Brian, thank you so, so much for coming on. It's been so nice chatting to you and for sharing all your, your experiences. 
which has been very interesting. And um, if anybody gets in touch with any questions for you, I will pass them on and you can let us know. You can share your, your ultra knowledge. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> right, thanks very much, Brian. Lindsay, see you after.